Again, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the elders here at the church. And truly, I'm glad, I am grateful that you are here today. I'm grateful that you've come to share your Christmas time, your Christmas holiday time with us here at Maranatha. It is a joy to get to be here with you truly. Um, I know what that means. I know that it means to come and be with, with people to, to worship Christ, and I'm, I'm truly grateful that you've decided to spend this morning with us. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you who make up Maranatha's family. You are not just a great blessing to me, but a great blessing to my family and to one another, and it's an honor to get to, to witness this wonderful and beauty that is the community that the Lord has given each of us corporately, has given us each other as the church, and honestly, it is something that is identifiably unique in this world, what we have here at Maranatha, so it is a joy to get to be with you. I'm also grateful, I'm thankful that you are here, you who are joining us, who are visitors of Maranatha, as you're joining us here today, because together what we're going to do today is worship Jesus. We are going to worship the one who is the Christ, because he is truly who this entire holiday season is all about. Amen? So that is what we're going to do today. That is who we are going to celebrate and worship. And I mean what I said when I said that Maranatha, that we are family, because Maranatha Family is something that can be depended on. Family is something that can be trusted in. I'm, I'm very grateful for the family the Lord has given me. Family is people who you can bring your burdens to and expect that they won't push away, but rather come closer to you as they look for ways to be of help. And Maranatha, I think that very clearly explains us. It explains our church very well. Families are also people who you can share your greatest of joys with, but also who will accept you when you are profoundly sorrowful. I understand that many of us feel that way sometimes at Christmas. We understand what this can feel like. Now, Christmas is, of course, full of joy. That's what we're talking about today. We're, we're finishing this Advent season. We're talking about joy, and Christmas is full of joy, and we can, in fact, we should be people who celebrate the greatest of gifts. Yes. Amen. But also, it's okay to recognize that those holiday jubilations, or holiday jubilations, however you want to say it, they can uniquely press on our hearts when we are reminded that a dear friend or a spouse, a parent, a child isn't here. It's profoundly difficult to walk through joyous occasions sometimes when all it does is highlight that there's someone missing. And I know that many of us understand this. I know that we understand that this can magnify our sadness. So, listen, today, even though we are talking about joy, hear me, it is okay. You don't have to run away from those emotions. Because what we're going to do today, what we're going to do together as a family Hear me, as a family, what we are going to do is we are going to look at where our hope comes from. 
So despite that sadness, we can have joy. Together we are going to set our eyes on the advent of our Savior King. What a joy. Now in a moment, I'm going to read from Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. So if you would please, while I'm talking, go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. And if you want to use one of the Bibles in front of you, the page number there is going to be 536. But before I do that, I just want to explain briefly why we as a church, why we as Maranatha try to make this season, why we try to make the Advent season such a big deal. And the reason is actually quite simple, believe it or not. It's, it's pretty simple. It's because this season is a very unique time of year, and it's so unique that the entire world actually joins around one celebration. Therefore, we want to draw attention to it. We want to draw attention to what Christmas is really about. Randy explained this a couple weeks back in his sermon when he began this Advent series, which is all about the hope, love, peace, and joy that comes to be with us on the earth, that being Jesus, of course. And Randy told us that traditionally, Advent is this season of celebration, and it is this moment of the world to celebrate and remember the arrival of the promised Messiah as a babe, but also it is designed to cause us to continue on with hope for what still remains as a promise by God that Jesus will one day return. So we talk about his advent as Emmanuel, as the incarnate babe in the manger, but also it is to to lead us to look up, to cast our eyes upward towards his return. At the second time, he's going to remain. He's not going to to go away. He's going to remain, and he will remain with us forever and always as as he will bring in the consummation of his kingdom to come. That's the promise. When he returns his second time, he will bring in the consummation of his kingdom to come. Therefore, within this hopeful promise, which is his advent, we get to learn about his great love, which is what provides us with fulfilling and complete peace Because as we live here and now, we can remember that God has come to us. We can remember that God has come to us to be like us so that he could save us and put us back into right relationship with God the Father. That's the gospel. That is what we are speaking of every single Sunday here at Maranatha. That is why we worship him, because he is who he is and what he has done for us. What all this means is that Jesus, who is our Christ, is In his coming, he has made us his family. He has made us his family. We belong to him. And because of that, with joy, with joy now, that is why, again, despite sadness, despite the difficulty, it is with joy that we can shout about the hope and love and peace that we now have. Because of him, amen. Because of that truth, no one and no thing can ever take us away from him. That is the glorious news of the gospel. Maranatha, the greatest of joys is that by faith alone, in Christ alone, your salvation has been secured. You have been set free to go and live for him and that heaven eternal with Jesus awaits you. This is what Christmas is about. This is why we make such a big deal about it. 
This is what Christmas is about. It's about the greatest of gifts, and that gift is Jesus. The greatest gift is Jesus who brought joy to the world for the glory of God. That is why we are making such a big deal out of this. So let's go ahead and let's read our passage for today. Again, our text is going to be Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. And here at Maranatha, our tradition is to stand, if you're able, at the reading of God's word, because we want to show him reverence. This is what the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, we got to have a seat. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful, Lord, that it speaks of your son, that it helps us to understand him and salvation that is ours because of him. Lord, today, please give us eyes to see and ears to hear this truth and a heart that will receive it. We're thankful for this season, this time to be focused on what Christ has done. Lord, let this be our heart condition through the entire year. Let this not wane. Let us not lose focus. Let us consistently strive to live for and through you. We love you. We trust you. It's in your sons that we pray in the power of your spirit. Amen. <laughs> so I'll tell you. As I began to prepare for this sermon, I began to ask myself if we made a mistake. If we made a mistake by choosing this passage because I thought that this passage may confuse people. Because this passage, when you first glance at it, it really doesn't seem all that cheery, right? I mean, it's Christmas Eve. Shouldn't we have a, a passage that's a little more, I don't know, bouncy? Right? I mean, yeah, you know what I mean, like something a little more cheery, something more light and happy. But we didn't, and I think for good reason. I think we, we made a good decision in the end because, Maranatha, the need to understand real joy is actually quite serious. We, we must understand what real joy looks like and feels like. And in this passage, the prophet Isaiah is leading us to this kind of right understanding by speaking about the contradiction of darkness and light as he weighs the realness of burdens and oppression, as he talks about war and garments rolled in blood and consuming fire. But please recognize that he's doing this in order to illuminate this sort of contrast of what we are experiencing and what is the promised 
of God that is to come. That is what he's attempting to contrast. So before we really get into this, I want to tell you what my hope is for us today. What I, what I hope that we will all leave here with. I hope that we will all leave here with a better understanding that points us towards true joy. But you're not going to necessarily just get that from coming to church, but I hope that it points us towards where true joy, where real joy actually rests. And that sounds like a simple idea. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh, I've, I've heard this sermon before at Christmas. And to be honest, I hope you have. I hope you have heard this same story again, but too often joy is expected to be something that it isn't. Too often we have this sense that we practically believe that joy is this elusive feeling that we must hunt for, that it, that it comes and it goes. And I believe it, uh, that it is this way because we have misidentified again what real joy is. For so many, joy, we sort of, we sort of push it away because it feels immature, Joy, sometimes we push away because we feel like it's, it's childish, again, that it's temporary even. And in this way, when I was thinking about that, my mind went to my children. My mind went to watching someone skip because even though that may sound silly, when my kids are the happiest, when my daughters are the happiest, that is how they travel from one place to another. They skip. So think about that for just a moment. Whenever we see someone skipping, there is this sense of joy, right? Have you ever seen someone not smiling while they're skipping? You even, as you watch them, sort of get a sense of an uplift, right? So in that way, I'll, I'll encourage you to skip today and see if you can be unhappy. <laughs> but I'm not talking about this kind of joy, this kind of joy that is fleeting and momentary, because again, essentially, culturally, we've made the mistake of turning the idea of joy into this simplified expression of unhindered happiness, right? When you are your most joyful, it's because you have nothing to worry about. I think that's misguided. Maranatha, true, real joy that the Bible talks about doesn't take things away from us. Actually, it puts things on us as it changes us. That is true joy. When we recognize what real joy is, it doesn't take from us, it puts things on us to change us. Because joyfulness is far more rich than just momentary symptoms. Which is why today my hope for all of us is that we will take with us a kind of joy that is so potent and concentrated that it flavors everything else in our life. That is my hope. And that is only possible when we rightly see who this promised one actually is and what he is about. And that is why we chose this verse. So let's look at it again. Let's look at verse 2 as we reread it. Verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Let me remind us that this is prophecy. Right? This is coming from the Old Testament. It's coming from one of God's prophets, Isaiah. So this is prophecy, which is meant to be spoken from God to God's people, a people who were waiting for someone who was 
being sent by God to them in order to be their Messiah, to rescue them. Also, I think we need to grasp what this metaphor is that Isaiah is using, this metaphor of light and what it actually stands for if we're going to understand the complexity of this passage. Now, I know you know uh, the realities of light and darkness, how they're in opposition, right? That one cannot exist while the other one is present. Scientifically, that makes perfect sense. If you walk into a dark room, honestly, you're not unable to really navigate through it or navigate in it unless you turn on the light. And then, by effect, metaphorically, darkness scatters, right? It's a simple analogy to understand this. When you're in a dark room and you turn the light on, the darkness scatters, There is then, therefore, in that metaphor, this idea of rightness is what we're meant to understand. There's this idea of rightness when it comes to light, this this idea of, of goodness and perfection and purity, which is why the Bible uses this kind of terminology when it speaks of God's blessings, when it speaks of his presence, or when it speaks of his revelation, his word, the word that guides and leads us. And since light removes what is dark, what we are to know, what we are to take hold of from this is that in all things, whether that be his blessing or judgment, God is light. God is righteous in all that he wills and does. Whereas, as Isaiah tells us, there are people who have chosen to replace his light with darkness which we are taught by the rest of Scripture that, it, that, that darkness comes from within. It comes from their own heart and mind. But as God has willed it to be this way, there remains a light that still shines. That is our hope. As Even as we look into the darkness, as we recognize the, 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 the pain and the suffering and the struggle and the sin in ourselves, we must remember that there remains this light that still shines. And notice This light that Isaiah speaks of, it shines on them. It shines on the people. It shines on them as a way to give them hope. Something that has, there has been something done for them is what we're meant to understand. Now, there's a lot of history here to cover in this passage, so I'm going to be brief. There's a lot that goes along with why Isaiah is saying what he is saying, but at this time, the nation of Assyria, which existed to the north of Israel was consistently threatening Israel with war and destruction, which is why Isaiah spoke about how this nation uh, cast this dark shadow over the northern lands as it loomed and threatened to destroy her kingdoms. But it also devilishly promised sanctuary if only they would bow the knee, right? As long as you give us all of your land and all of your people, you can be safe, But Israel remained hopeful because God promised them something. God promised a great light. He said that he would send them the promised perfect one and that he would inevitably rescue them from that dark evil that only brought about for them destruction. And Maranatha, in this history lesson, we cannot miss what is being told to us. It should not be lost on us what this history lesson is teaching. What we read about in the Old Testament is meant to teach us about the reality of what has been fulfilled in the new. All right? Sin, Maranatha, is what looms over us. 
Sin is what looms over us like a villain. Sin is what keeps us looking to the darkness. It is our sin that flaunts death and destruction while it promises what it cannot provide. But like it was for Israel, God has declared, God has proven in his son that he has provided us with a new future. He has promised us a new, a new future. Israel goes on in his prophecy, verse 3, You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Isaiah's metaphor is perfect because at the time of harvest, at the time of plenty, when provisions are full and there is more than we actually need, anything seems possible, right? It seems like all things in the world are right when the storehouses are full. All things seem right when there's enough food and shelter for all people. When there's this song of prosperity, everyone feels joyful. This is what overwhelms everyone with that sense of joy as well. This is what is meant to lead us into using our imaginations as we look forward to what the new heavens and new earth will be like. Where we will relish in the harvest. Where we will celebrate all that God has done for us. But today, still today, the oppression of sin remains. The oppression of sin remains. And I know that you know what I mean because I myself feel it too. I recognize it like you do. I know my own heart like you know yours. Even now, as God's kingdom has come in Jesus, who is the Christ, sin still affects everyone as it exists all around us and within us. But listen, Maranatha, even though that is true, hope still remains because this is not how it will remain forever. Look at verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Now here, Isaiah is telling those people so long ago that God has conquered. Notice this is in the past tense. He has conquered. That he has broken the burdens. That he has broken the oppressors. That God has done this for them just like he has done this and is doing this for us. Isaiah even mentions a unique situation. He mentions the battle of Midian, which honestly, if you know about it, it's very comforting. Because that battle was a battle that God won for his people despite their weakness. They couldn't do it themselves, but he did it for them. How comforting is that as we think of sin? Maranatha, again, let us not be so foolish to believe that we can only be joyful when life is easy. Because on this side of heaven, the reality is that burdens exist. There are all sorts of trials that are going to come at us. But for those of us who do hope in the love of the Lord, we can receive everything. We can receive anything and count it all joy. That's what we're told. That is the promise that we have because of Christ. We can count it all joy because we recognize that God always works for good, for the good of those who love him. And that those burdens and those Trials, they are there, yes, to discipline us, but also to shape us. 
to refine us because he loves us. What comfort. That what comes into our life, God allows it to be there as a way to refine us into the likeness of his son. He has promised to complete the work that he has already began within us. Again, to shape us into the likeness of his son. And in fact, in verse 5, this is what it's reminding us of. It's reminding us that there is this battle going on and that we all are working through some of the wreckage of that war. Look at verse 5. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Again, though, we can rest. We can be at ease because our joy, even through this, is said to be increased as Jesus shines his light upon us. There is always a hope. There is always hope in Christ. This light, this light that shone in the darkness is accomplished by Christ's victory at the cross, right? We talk about the reason for the babe in the manger, and this is the reason he has come to bring victory over sin and death, victory at the cross as well, when at the moment of our salvation, he put this light within us. He gave us a helper, this powerful guarantee of our inheritance, which is how we are led to live in this world for him while we wait for his return to this earth with heaven in hand. We possess the light. We've been given God himself as the Holy Spirit. This is to be our comfort. Maranatha, here, is, here it is. Here is the hook of the sermon, if you will, the hook of the song that we are singing of worship. Here is the great and glorious news that brings true and everlasting joy to all of God's people. So listen, verse 6, for to us a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. What a glorious promise. What a glorious proclamation. Maranatha, the kind of love that sent this child is what brings us peace because he is everything that we could ever hope for. He is everything that we could ever hope for. He is our wonderful counselor. What that means is that Jesus rules over us with perfect justice, while he also guides us with loving, divine wisdom. He is our mighty God. Jesus protects us like a warrior who is willing to go to battle for his people as he has given his life for us. He is also our God, meaning that he is the one who established the strong and mighty covenant with his people. Again, this being us who love him. He is our everlasting father. 
Now, this phrase is not meant to confuse us. Isaiah is not saying that Jesus is also the Father. uh, The Trinity will always remain distinctly three persons, yet one in essence. Rather, the title is revealing that like an everlasting, ever-loving Father, Jesus provides eternal and everlasting care and love for all his people. That is what that title of Father is meant to point towards, because he is the one who brings us into his promised new covenant. And he is also the Prince of Peace. This is done through Jesus' divine government, meaning his authoritative word. He is the one who has final authority over all things because he created all things. He is our Prince of Peace. He is who brings about divine peace to the earth. Maranatha, Jesus is our true source of joy. Maranatha is our rest. If you understand that he is our rest, it's why we can walk in this sin-stained world with hope and joy and love because he is our rest. He is our foundation that cannot be shaken. And because of him, because of what the babe in the manger did, we are his family. We are able to be his family. And we can now experience and exemplify real and true joy forever and ever to the ends of the earth. What a great opportunity. What an honor it is to stand and carry the name of Christ. Look at Ephesians 3. For this reason, we bow our knees before the Father. For whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What a Christmas song that is. What a glorious good news that is. Maranatha, the zeal of the Lord, has done this for us. He has done this for us. It is his desire, it is his excitement, it is his effort, his zeal that has accomplished this for us. He has given us his joy. Let us walk in a manner that shines his light in this darkened world. Let us be that sort of people who honor the name of Christ in all that we do. Pray. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the opportunity to know him, to honor him, to worship him, to serve him. Thank you for your spirit that leads us and guides us and teaches us how to do all those things, help that, that, that leads us to be united to one another as we've been reconciled to you and to each other. 
Father, help us in this time of Christmas and through the rest of the year to always be looking to Christ, to be looking to the mountain where our hope comes from. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for making us part of your family. It's in your son's name we pray in the power of your spirit. Amen.